What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man whose days got a whole lot quieter, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Yeah, you know, I experienced it last year, right? We did when we sent uh, our youngest daughter off to college, and we just had our son who was going to high school, and it got quiet. And then our daughter came back for the summer, kind of got loud again. And uh, our son said this time, wow, it's really quiet in this house, Dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it just makes that all more poignant that our house that we bought years ago uh, that we stretched to get into is once again becoming enormous to us because we're not going to have the kids around to fill it. Well, there is this stark reality that we knew that w- was coming. Well, last year during the school year when our daughter was at college, our the next daughter up was home. We were preparing for her wedding. Of course, that happened in June, but the other daughter came home. She's been home for the summer. Well, now she's gone too. So we actually just have one child left in this house. When we bought this house 17 years ago, it seemed so big because we moved from such a smaller home. And I thought, why are we getting such a big house? I can't hear them. I've got to go upstairs and down the hall to you know, get to the nursery. And they filled it up quick because as children do, they grow up fast. And now... Well, as they have grown up and leaving home, this big house kind of feels like empty halls. But it's good to see them thrive in the way they have, because, boy, with everything that's happened over the last few years and COVID and the shutdown and now getting life back to normal, we worry about them because they've missed a lot of different things that we experienced in our own lives. Yeah, no, I think they I think like everyone there is there's a bruise some deeper than others from the experience of, of COVID and the shutdown, but I'm, I'm certainly seeing the resiliency. And I think the resiliency that we see in our kids comes from what was handed on to us from our parents who grew up during the depression, grew up during world war II, grew up during Korea and Vietnam. Those were tough times and they had to be resilient and they handed that on to us and we've handed that on to our kids. You know, one thing that I don't remember my parents saying too much to us about, though, once we left is as parents of older children, of adult children, married children, it means that although our day to day responsibilities for their upbringing aren't there anymore, that concern for their well-being, that worry for them when they are trying to overcome situations where we know as parents, well, we can't step into those anymore, but we can be there to support and love them as they kind of figure this out on their own. We still worry for them. We're concerned for them when things just don't go right for them. Well, you know, I think our, our, our models in our faith, Mary and Joseph, had no control over the the mission and the passion that Christ would go through and thanks be to God. And they had to let that go. And I think that's the, the ultimate testament to parenthood of what we have to uh, let go of in terms of we raise them and we give them the gifts and then we have to step back and let them thrive with those gifts. Certainly being behind them, like Mary and Joseph constantly behind uh, Jesus throughout his life and Mary right to the very end. But I take a lot of, of solace in knowing that, tradition of our faith and realizing I can do this 
I'll lean on the faith. I'll lean on Mary and Joseph, the Holy Family. We've been talking a lot as we open up our show today about the generations. We all have our own generation. Scott, you and I fall squarely in the Generation X. We are very proud of all of our own accomplishments, but we've also managed to raise four children, Scott, in what's considered the Generation Z. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, because coming up, I had a great opportunity to talk with Ben Erickson. Ben began a series of articles on Generation Z, and through his research, he's calling them the loneliest generation. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and what can be done to help this generation find their footing, thrive, find God. And then after that, we'll share certainly our experiences of raising these for Gen Z children and now in adulthood and what we've learned about ourselves and about our faith community in that process. So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us. I think we're alone now. I've heard that once a horse is successfully trained, the first time it submits to its rider, it runs like never before and never again. It's like a lifetime of raw energy and passion is finally directed, and it shoots like a bolt of lightning across the plain. That's freedom. That's power. We don't find that by doing whatever we want. We find it by submitting our hearts to a higher cause, by living with discipline, fighting for virtue, choosing humility. None of that crushes our passion and potential, it directs them. Whether you're perfecting a sport, a musical instrument, a science, a skill with your hands, or whatever dream God's planted in you, at the end of the day, perfecting our craft is about perfecting ourselves. That's why events like the Olympics and other sports are so inspiring to watch. That's what competition is all about. It's what the spiritual life is about too. Not about accomplishing all we can do, but becoming all we can be. How are you perfecting yourself today? This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. With the autumn season comes football and tailgating, and there's no better way to score a touchdown than by passing that old vehicle of yours to Modern Day Radio. We're happy to accept your donation of a car, truck, van, RV, or boat. It's quick and easy and a likely tax deduction for you. Not only that, you are joining a winning team that's supporting a faith-filled Catholic broadcast. So score some points by checking out our vehicle donation program at MaterDayRadio.com. Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei Radio. Well, perhaps you've heard the phrase, every generation, they're going to blame the one before. Or perhaps Billy Joel said it best when he said, we didn't start the fire. Nonetheless, every generation has their unique characteristics. But one generation that seems to be getting a lot of interest these days well, it's those Gen Zers. I myself know they are a unique group of young people. Well, because I've raised and raising four of my own. Well, I ran across a wonderful article in Catholic World Report. It's written by Ben Erickson about Gen Zs and kind of their complex makeup and 
I know why do they do the things that they do? The article is in Catholic World Report. Ben is joining me today. Ben is a senior writer with Word of Life series and also a contributor to Catholic World Report. Happens to also be a doctoral candidate for Catholic University of America joining me today. Good morning, Ben. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here and an honor. Well, like I said, I really honed into your article when I saw it because, boy, as parents, even grandparents who have Gen Zers in their life, we really go, oh, this generation, boy, they have no idea. But maybe I really think it's the rest of us that have mm. really no idea. And so you wrote this wonderful piece. So let's first go over about who these Gen Zers are. What's their age group? What's some of the yeah. characteristics that have affected the way their outlook is on life? Yeah, so this generation, I mean, when defining generation, it's always hard. Um, but in general, this is about those you know, children born between 1997 and about 2012. So this is about, you know, the youngest around 11 to about age 25. So um, a lot of these that are basically either just coming into adulthood or are approaching adulthood, they, you know, are in our middle schools and our um, lower schools and our high schools and even in our colleges now. So um, it's really the, the young people of this, the present. What are their characteristics? They are a group of people mm. who uh, they were not, uh, or maybe they don't remember. Some may have been alive for 9-11, but they really don't remember yeah. it. But their lives definitely have been shaped in the aftermath of it. Kind of what are some of the other things that they've had? I believe, well, all of them have probably been raised with a phone in their hand. Yes. Yeah. So I, I talk about how different this generation is. Um, obviously, the technology plays a huge part into it. Um, you know, millennials still remember a time when there wasn't the internet. Um, a lot of these kids, you know, don't remember a time without the internet, or don't remember a time without you know smartphones, um, all these touch screens. So a lot of people talk about the technology age. Um, obviously, there's also the a lot of the effects in the early 2000s that I think had a greater societal impact than I originally realized, and that also then affected the upbringing of this generation. So obviously, everybody thinks of 9/11, but um, there's a lot of things, also things like Hurricane Katrina um, and a lot of other factors that played into um, really the, the distrust in institutions, um, the loneliness um, and a loss of confidence in organized religion. Um, all of these topics that I end up covering in, in the series itself. Well, it is a series that you can find in Catholic World Report. It's author Ben Erickson joining me today. Well, Ben, definitely my Catholic worldview, the longevity of my parents' marriage, the longevity of their parents' marriage. I mean, I had two parents in a household that, you know, to my sometimes dismay, focused a lot of their time and attention to making sure I was on the straight and narrow. But the United States, our outlook on marriage and the number of single-parent households that children are raising in, unfortunately, we're top of the world when that comes to Uh, this, uh, you know, especially this generation's and their effect, they don't necessarily have the mentors at home. So they go elsewhere to find those mentors. And a lot of times they're not in the church either. Kind of build on that thought for me. Yeah. So when we're talking about the loneliest generation in the first article, I talk about, okay, this is a statistically extremely lonely generation. Uh, Just for context, you, you have really, there is about in 2018, there is actually a study by, by Cigna. So we talked about the loneliest generation. 
And in 2018, Cigna did a study. So they're an insurance company and they partners with Ipsos and they surveyed about 20,000 people and they came up and said, oh my gosh, you know, this is the loneliest generation. And they did this through a questionnaire. And that was kind of the first study. And then further studies came out. So in, in December, 2021, there was a survey um, by the survey center in American Life. And they said that 56% of Gen Z felt lonely at least once or twice a month in their childhood. And this is like a 32 point increase when you're looking at the baby boomer generation. So it's, it's statistically lonely. And obviously we talked about technology being a problem, but you just mentioned another one, which is the loss of adults. And really that's where um, I think there's there's a shift in my mindset. You know, when we talked about the loneliest generation, I previously always attributed to technology. And certainly that's a major factor. I don't want to minimize that, but the loss of adults. So just to mention some of them, when you have 23% of children under the age of 18 in the United States are living in single parent households. Um, this is, you know, so that's basically a fourth of all children in the United States live only with one parent. This is three times the worldwide average. So when you start looking at statistics like that, where there's high rates of a divorce, high rate of single parent households, there's a lot of loss of those adult figures. And there's a loss of, you know, the, the d- divorce rate has also increased the just, you know, destruction of the nuclear family. Um, and obviously that's contributing to a lot of the other societal issues we're having now too. Springtide Research is actually where I get a lot of this data from. So they're um, a research uh, institute and they've come up with a lot of data and they kind of have this goal of focusing on Gen Z and really speaking on their behalf, right? You know, giving them a voice that they may not have had previously. And that research I came across and it's been really enlightening. And some of the data is really sad to me. So for example, you know, 27% of this generation feel like they have no adults to turn to in a time of need. Um, and then you talk about that with Catholics. So they, they also focused on Catholics in particular. And one in five Catholics say that they don't have, they only have one adult or fewer in a time of need. So it's really, you know, th- there's a lack of adult um, influence, a lack of adult support in this generation, which is really sad, obviously due to the loss of parents, but um, due to a lot of other institutions and organizations not reaching out too. Well, Ben, you know, just hearing this, I think it makes parents, people like me, very sad. And and divorce mm-hmm. is a real thing. And I know for those parents, that's not what they in, ever intended for their children either. So it's, it just means that all the more parents need to be there for their children, whether they're, you know, in the same household or in their different households, it's important to, that children know that they can rely. So if they can't, don't have an adult to turn to, is there studies that tell us, well, where they are going for influence? So there's obviously the internet they're, they're going to for, for influence in particular, but they're also turning to their friends. Um, they're turning to obviously teachers. But one area that I found very interesting is they're not turning to religious people. Um, so, for example, in the Springtide research, only 6% of them are actually reaching out to religious um, in a time of need. And so there is kind of like, okay, so the, the teachers are kind of stepping up that role. Um, obviously, friends are there for them. But it seems as though there's there's not that religious outreach that used to be there. Uh, in a time of need, you would hope that they would go to a, a caring pastor or uh, a caring nun that's a teacher or whatever. But um, in some cases, that's not And so it's a lot of the internet, a lot of their friends that they're going to for that support network. Well, it makes it all the more important evermore that we seek out to understand this generation and to do our best to ensure that, well, they have the best possible outcome and that their faith 
is is gained, restored, and, and really kind of helped through all of this. It's a great article. Your first article we're talking about, really an umbrella of everything that we're going to be talking about. Tell us more about your series and some of the other things that we're going to learn about. Yeah, so the first article talking about loneliness is just the first of that series. And I'm it's a six-part series of six articles in total. The first four are really to identify what are some of the struggles and concerns of this generation? What are they uniquely struggling with? So the first one's going is on loneliness. The second one just came out uh, recently. It's on the loss of confidence in institutions, the loss of confidence in organized religion. Um, the third one is going to be really discussing religion and the affiliation, unaffiliation with this generation and um Really, the research that I found surprised me because it's it's not clear cut. So that's the third article. The fourth article is really discussing why this generation feels that they're not flourishing, and in particular, some of the benefits that help them flourish. Like, what what do they see help them flourish? And so that kind of like assesses the concerns, um, or or the, if you want to call them problems. But then the last two are really okay. So what are some of the solutions? How can we help this generation now? It's it's not enough just to identify the problems. We have to be there for them as you know young people who love them and adults who love them. And so I think that uh, this, the fifth article is going to be on what's called a relational authority. This is a term that Springtide Research Institute has uh, coined. Um, really, what well, how do you engage with this generation in a meaningful and productive way as an adult? Um, and then the last um, article is really, um, this is also based a lot on my own experience, but it's how to find common ground with this generation. Because I think a lot of adults feel as though um, there's an inability or a problem to connect uh, given the, the various upbringings that this generation has had. Um, and so it's how to find that common ground and then what things to discuss to kind of encourage them to come to a greater understanding of the truth, a greater understanding of themselves, and ultimately a greater understanding of God. Oh, I, I think that's so important to definitely identify the problem and what is the solution, because this is a generation that, oh, that is not written off yet. Life is long and there are so many lessons to be learned for, for sure. all of us, for sure. Ben, we're coming out of this pandemic and I've even read information that says there's even a subset within this generation that that's that COVID generation. Now, two of my middle daughters, one her senior year ended with COVID shutdown, no graduation, yeah. no prom, none of those kind of pomp and circumstance things that impact a young person. Well, the next daughter, well, she started out her senior year with the same thing only to end in a year with faces masked and just really an uncertainty of what the future holds for them. Is the impact that COVID has on our children, we know it's there, but is it fully realized in this particular generation? I think it is fully realized in many situations. And the, the series of articles doesn't focus particularly on COVID, but what I've done a lot of research still on, on COVID and the impact on this generation. And really what I found is that COVID has almost exacerbated all of the problems this generation was already struggling with. So for example, you're talking about a generation who is already struggling with isolation and feeling alone. Well, obviously that's been exaggerated now with COVID. So now, for example, 38% um, of young Catholics say that no one outside of their home reached out to them to see if they are right during the pandemic. You know, so that's that's a large percentage of people who didn't feel like they were reached out to. There's also in the second article talk about lack, a lack of loss of trust. And so you have 57% 
of young people, Gen Z, um, say it all time to rebuild that trust, right? Based on really the government's response to some of this. So you have 59% of young Catholics don't feel like the government did the best to protect people during the pandemic. Um, so there's a loss of trust in the institutions. There's greater isolation. Obviously, COVID has had a huge impact on religion. Um, the saddest thing to me was that a lot of people didn't feel like, or young people didn't feel like that religion reached out to them at this time. Um, there was a, interestingly, there was a, um, a market increase in, in interest in religion, obviously going through hard times usually encourages that. Yet there was it also an increase in as your home, having your pastor, having your youth minister or whatever reach out to you. And so there's there's a decrease in religion as well. So a lot of the issues that this generation was already facing with has just gotten worse because of the pandemic. And that just makes it all the more urgent to reach out to them and try to find solutions to the issues and the struggles that this generation is um, really suffering under. Well, Ben, again, this series of articles is outstanding. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. After a season of night frogs in pushbacks, after the heartache of wrong turns inside tracks, just when they think they got you game set match. Oh, 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 here comes a comeback. Scott, I knew when I had made the arrangements for this interview, this was not going to be an easy topic because all four of our kids fall into this Gen Z category. And we do see the effects that they've had, the way that 9-11, they had no idea about it. They don't remember it, but they've lived under that fear, this war on terror. And they didn't they didn't know when it began. They just knew that was always on TV. They've had technology. They've had phones. You know, we fought against giving all of the kids phones as long as we could, but we realized, well, they just need to have access to technology, to computers, to the internet, just to get their daily lives and schoolwork done. And boy, when COVID hit, we saw the full reality of how much screen time was just a regular part of their lives. I don't want to say that we are to blame for what happened, but we are definitely the parents who need to walk with our children that are this age to help them find footing and to help them remain close to the Lord. Because boy, more than ever, it feels like this generation, when they go off to college, as many do, they stray away, but they're really having difficulty finding their way back to the Lord. Yeah. I think that, you know, as I, as I shared just before the, the initial break we're going to share about our family but sharing also about our faith experience you know we we come from as you well said we're we're generation x our parents baby boomers um really come from an era that uh, still had a strong uh, strongly intact moral and 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 religious sense of being catholic and i think for our generation and I think it's only reflected in the statistics that he that he provided us. There's something disconnected there mm-hmm. that maybe we weren't as a generation. We were we were more lukewarm than we were convicted. And I think it's a it's a, a good wake up call that we need to be introspective as Gen X parents of Gen Z's children to say, what have I done and what do I need to maybe recapture? And I've been working with people at the parish who are re reinvigorating their faith maybe for the first time in a couple of decades or more and they're engaging their children in fact we're going to be going to Medjugorje 
And Medjugorje has been a, a great experience for parents who've gone and come back and their children have been transformed by their um, recommitment to the faith. So I think it just ex- exacerbates this issue of uh, lukewarmness. Mm-hmm. Have we as a church been lukewarm as the Bible indicates will be a, a challenge for us? And I think certainly Pope Benedict was one to, to point out that will be our challenge in the near future is there will be an apostasy. There will be a remnant church. Well, I want to be part of that remnant church and I want our children to be part of that. So it just inspires me to lean into our faith more, to share with our children in a loving way, the value of the faith. Something else that really struck me in our conversation that I had with Ben was the fact that as parents, we taught them or encouraged them to ask questions. Ask me a question. If you don't understand that, ask a question. But at the same time, asking questions instilled a sense of doubt, meaning that I don't understand and now I don't believe what I'm hearing, right? And and this, this doubt about even the existence of God, it does cause me concern. I feel like we are blessed that we have been open about our faith with our children, that we talk about it openly with them, that when they do have questions, I feel that it is our responsibility to have those answers. And then we don't have those answers about our faith. It's our responsibility to say, we're going to find this out together because I don't know the answers. In order to keep them close to the Lord, we need to be that way also. We need to practice the sacraments on a regular basis. We need to go to church on Sundays. Well, and as long as they're in our household, We need to do our best to make sure they're doing that with us. I think consistency, you know, the the old adage of uh, good parenting is being consistent. I think that that really exemplifies what we need to be mindful of with regard to our faith. And I think for a lot of parents in in the Gen X generation, they've had a challenge of maintaining the constancy of taking part in the sacraments, the constancy of taking part in the activities of a Catholic, living, breathing, uh, thriving Catholic faith. We have an opportunity to come back to that. I think that's what he was expressing in this, that even though we have these challenges, we can come back to that, but we can do so not of our own will, but turning our will to God and letting God help us do that. And what's also so important for us as parents and for those Gen Zers themselves, their story is far from over. In fact, Their lives are only just beginning. They're getting out in the world. They are not a generation written off for sure. They have great things ahead for them. Something that we tell our kids, I cannot wait to see how this unfolds for you because what the Lord has ready and waiting is absolutely incredible. You just got to be willing to join him along for the ride. Scott, before we go, will you end us in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for children. We thank you for the ability to take part in the generation of life. Help us to respect that by being humble and mindful of how we have cherished that, how we have blessed that in our own uh, lived experience. May we take heart this week that what we see in our society can be changed and bettered by our focus to you, Lord. So help us to will the good in others and in our children through faith and trust in you. We ask this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.